0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, St. Louis University is still seething about the event that I held there a few weeks ago. And now they've decided to take their frustrations out on an innocent student. One kid at the school faces possible expulsion from school for hanging flyers for my event off campus. We'll talk about that. Also, the media is breathlessly reporting the fact that various Fox News hosts apparently texted uh, Trump administration officials on January 6th begging Trump to speak out against the riots that were happening. But these text messages actually undermine their narrative about January 6th, and I'll explain why. And an MSNBC contributor says that the Texas abortion law will lead to vigilantes, quote, hunting down foreigners. How do you make that connection? And in our daily cancellation, we will deal with the Methodist minister who appeared in drag on an HBO reality show. He's the victim, he says, because he was forced to step down uh, from his role uh, at the church after the episode aired. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. You know there are some people who like to live on the wild side, and uh, they don't put a protective case on their smartphones. These are these are people. I almost admire the courage that it takes to do that. But you are, you're taking chances. You should just. It just takes one careless moment where you drop it and the phone breaks. And you know, going online without ExpressVPN, it's kind of like that, where you're taking a chance. You don't need to take it. It only takes. It only takes one. One bad moment to uh, really screw things up for you. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network in cafes, hotels, airports, et cetera, your online data is not secured. Any hacker on the same network can gain access to and steal your personal data, passwords, financial details, et cetera. Doesn't take much technical knowledge to do this either. I mean, just uh, some cheap hardware is needed. A smart 12 year old could do it uh, or a dumb 15 year old could even do it. Your data is valuable. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person selling personal info on the dark web. That's why they do this. And that's why you need to use ExpressVPN. They create, they create a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. Hackers are not able to steal your sensitive data. So secure your online data today by visiting ExpressVPN.com Walsh. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com Walsh. And you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com Walsh. Well, you may have thought that the uh, St. Luv- Louis University saga was over now that my much-protested event was, uh, was already held, and uh, that's all in the past now. But that doesn't appear to be the case. We are reminded that the administration officials there, uh, the, and the ones who run most of these leftist universities, are not only partisan, but also vindictive and petty. Just really bad people. They hold grudges. They seek to punish students who run afoul of them ideologically. And they'll grab hold of any pretense, however superficial or facile it might be, in order to do that. Which brings us to SLU student James Dowling, who faces the possibility of expulsion from school for hanging flyers advertising my event two weeks ago. Uh, And it gets even more absurd than that. So this is from the Daily Signal. It reports, St. Louis University is threatening to expel or suspend a student for posting flyers advertising the Daily, Wire Matt Walsh, Daily Wire's Matt Walsh's off-campus speaking event, according to the Young America's Foundation. The student, James Dowling, was told in a December 9th video conference with school administrators that he could face expulsion for his inappropriate conduct and, quote, failure to comply, according to Yaf. Dowling, a member of the St. Louis University College Republicans Group, was putting up flyers advertising Walsh's off-campus event on December 1st when nearby SLU administrators, uncomfortable with the presence of SLU's name on the same flyer as the SLU College Republicans, told him to take them them down, according to Yev. Dowling reportedly offered to cross out the names on the flyers with a marker, but the administrators wouldn't accept the compromise. Now, the thing to keep in mind here is that my event was off-campus and the flyers were also off-campus. So this is an off-campus event where the advertising is also happening off-campus. Which means that it's entirely outside of the jurisdiction of the university narcs who came to harass James uh, Dowling. It has nothing to do with them. Outside of their jurisdiction. They are not police officers. They have no right to tell anyone what they can or cannot do off-campus. Especially when the offense is simply hanging a flyer. And not an offensive flyer either, by the way. There was nothing on the flyer. There was no uh, offensive imagery, just a picture of me, which you know maybe some people would say is offensive imagery, but just a picture of me and then saying what event it is, and, and that's it. Really standard flyer. Back to the article. It says, in a letter dated December 9th, the SLU Office of Student Responsibility and Community Standards sent Dowling a letter detailing his alleged breaches of SLU's community standards. The letter also noted that Dowling would be required to attend a hearing for his suspendable violations. This is an, yet another case of politically motivated prosecution by the Office of uh, Student Responsibility and Community Standards. SLU College Republican President Nicholas Baker said in a statement shared with the Daily Caller, after dealing with them when they went after the club for asking another organization, the SLU sluts to define the word woman and learning the, that the office's director distributed copies of the gender-bred person to students a few years ago. I have no confidence in their ability to be fair and objective in their decisions. So that's from the Daily Car. And then, then Yaff over over on Yaff's website, they have a little more information on this. So this is what they say, listen to this. During the call with the administration officials, Dowling was informed that he was being charged with both failure to comply and inappropriate conduct. According to the Office of Student Responsibility and Community Standards Assistant Director William Bowie, he was allegedly confrontational, disrespectful, and failed to comply with reasonable requests made by the staff in accordance with their duties. Now, Dowling did uh, contact the city to make sure that where he was h- hanging the flyer, flyers, that it it, it was, in fi- fact, off campus. It was city property and not university property. And turns out that it was city property, not university property. So the real claim against Dowling is that the flyers make mention of St. Louis University. Now, I'm highly skeptical that they have the authority to tell students that they can't write the name of the school on a piece of paper and tape it up somewhere off campus. I'm skeptical that they have that authority. But even if they do, I mean, even if they can tell you that, he offered to cross out the offending phrase anyway. That wasn't good enough for them. And besides, pretending that this was some kind of violation and that the student hadn't offered a reasonable compromise. Let's pretend that for a second. Expulsion? Really? Yeah, that's the penalty he was explicitly threatened with. On the call with the administration, this uh, William Bowie person said to him, if you, were, if you were to be found responsible for a policy violation, suspension or expulsion from the institution are included within the range of possible outcomes that could be applied. Of course, these people can never speak like real human beings. Everything is communicated in uh, bureaucratic parlance, but that's beside the point. Keep in mind that earlier this year, members of the uh, this SLU sluts organization, this group, again, that's their name for themselves. It's not my name for them. Although, as I've said, if the shoe fits, wear it, you know. But members of that group tore down an approved pro-life display on campus because they didn't like it. There's a pro-life display that had been approved. It was on campus, and these self-described sluts went over and tore it down. That's an, act of, uh, that's an actual crime. That's an act of vandalism. Nobody involved in that vandalism has been threatened with expulsion, so far as I know. So this is quite clearly politically motivated. These are power-tripping bullies, still angry that I managed to have such a well-attended event despite their best efforts, and now they're taking it out on some random kid who lacks the resources to fight back and defend himself. This is a classic bully maneuver. By the way, the article on AF site mentioned something that I thought was was, was a good point. Um, whatever happened to the great concern everyone supposedly has for mental health and well-being? That's the whole reason that Simone Biles was just awarded athlete of the year. Right. By time or whatever it was, because she's a she's a, now a, a, a spokeswoman, a mascot for mental health. and Mental health is so important. Now, this is not the main takeaway here, perhaps, but it is worth pointing out that most of the stuff we hear about mental health is nonsense. At least the people pretending to care about it don't. Hanging expulsion over a kid's head because he, he, he put a flyer up off campus is, you know, among other things, an assault on his mental health. Imagine what kind of stress and anxiety that might induce. And top it all off, this is apparently finals week. So you've got that stress on top of it. Well, as always, when these people talk about mental health, they mean it in a very qualified way. They care about the mental health of their tribe, of their um, ideological comrades. But a kid who has signaled that, that he's an enemy by associating himself with me, well, he can go to hell. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll kick him out of school. Let's cause him immense hardship for no reason at all. And that's what getting expelled from college is no, that's no small thing. That can haunt you for your whole life, potentially. So let's do that just because we can, to punish him for thinking differently. Now, this is not a mere bias in my mind. This is evil. And I can tell you one thing. You know, I'm not gonna stand for that. SLU has already seen what an enormous pain in the ass I can be, and they don't know the half of it. Because I can hold a grudge too, and I can be petty and vindictive too. I think I've demonstrated that. If I've demonstrated anything, it's that. So if they move forward with trying to expel this student, uh, they're gonna have many more headaches in the future to deal with. I promise you that. So just leave this kid alone, you damned sociopaths. Now let's get to our five headlines. It's the holiday season, a time for warmth and cheer and joy uh, if you're into that kind of thing. But you know what it's also a time for? It's a time for cyber criminals to stalk you and ruin your life. Some tips to help you stay safe while, while holiday shopping include only visiting secure sites and apps from retailers you trust, using a VPN instead of public Wi-Fi, creating strong passwords, and checking your bank and credit accounts for fraud often. Every day, listen, we put our information at risk on the internet in an instant especially um, uh, during this time of year when you're, when you're doing a lot of online shopping, and everything. In an instant, a cyber criminal can steal what's yours, sometimes even harm your finances, your credit, your reputation. And that's why it's so good that there's LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats, uh, things that you might not know about if you don't have life, uh, LifeLock, like your social security number being for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they'll send you an alert. And uh, if God forbid something does happen, you do, you do fall victim to this, you have access to a dedicated restoration specialist who's going to help set everything right. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year by going to LifeLock.com Walsh. That's LifeLock.com Walsh for 25% off. So as I mentioned yesterday, we're in California and uh, man, we were, we were driving through the city yesterday on our way to film an, an episode of Dr. Phil and more on that in a second. But um, we, we were on the way, and dear God, I mean, this city is an embarrassment. It is a a hellhole, a giant garbage dump, just one enormous collapsing junkyard, trash strewn all over the place, tent cities, homeless people, uh, boarded up buildings. Everywhere you drive, it's like this, the whole city. Ironically, it looks like the apocalypse, and it also makes you pray for one at the same time. Wait, I'm driving through and I'm thinking, how could anyone live in a place like this? How could you choose to live here? This whole city is one giant pulsating herpes sore. I think about about that scene. Remember, if you've ever seen uh, The Revenant with uh, Leo DiCaprio, and there's that one scene where he's trying to escape the freezing cold. He's out in the forest and he's freezing to death. So he he climbs inside a hollowed out uh, horse carcass and sleeps there for the night. And I think that I would, I would rather do that. I would rather take up residence inside the gutted cavity of a rotting horse than live in L.A. It is just disgusting and dirty and awful and, and dangerous. And it's humiliating. Okay, it's embarrassing. That's the other thing I was thinking as we're driving through. I'm embarrassed as an American to have something like this in my country. To, to have to say that this is an American city is embarrassing to me. I mean, we're we're driving through with our phones out, taking pictures. And I'm thinking about how people have been doing this in L.A. for decades, right? Like tourists driving around taking pictures. That's what my wife was doing. We we visited uh, Southern California about uh, 10 years ago on vacation and something that I would never even think about doing now. And that was only 10 years ago. But we're driving around and she's taking pictures. And, you know, in the past, you're taking pictures of celebrities' houses or, uh, or, or, you know, you're at the beach, you're taking pictures. Or you're taking pictures of famous places from movies or whatever. But but yesterday, we were taking pictures of the biggest hobo camps that we found. Oh, there's another one. Look at that. Wow. It's the most depressing sightseeing tour of all time. And then I thought maybe L.A. should just go with that. I mean, tr- try to restart their tourist industry with this. Make, uh, make lemonade out of lemons. You know, come to Los Angeles and see the world's largest pile of discarded shoes i don't know this is what democrat rule gets you i mean really they they have the democrat party has totally destroyed reduced these cities to rubble these once great cities the los angeles used to be you know something you thought about when you thought about the american dream people coming out to la to make it and pursue their dreams or whatever now it's it is it's thoroughly depressing and awful and anyway, yeah, so I went to, we, we went on Dr. Phil. I can't really talk much about it, but um, I will say that uh, what I have been told I can say is that we were filming an episode on the issue of uh, pronouns and kind of gender ideology in general, but focusing especially on, on pronouns and preferred pronouns and uh, all the new pronouns that are out there and non binary and all this kind of stuff. And um, I was uh, on the episode, on a, on a, I ended up on a panel basically with um, a non binary diversity consultant and his or he would say their um his uh uh, trans partner who's also a diversity consultant then we also had a liberal college professor and then there was also a um a non-binary parent who's raising their child genderless and so i was on a panel with these people on dr phil and all i can say is uh you will you will enjoy the episode i think it's gonna be a lot of fun when that comes out i'll let you know when it when it airs the, the studio audience, I think that you in this audience, you will enjoy the episode. And I'm hoping that you'll, you'll enjoy my contributions to the conversation. Uh, the studio audience did not enjoy what I had to say. Uh, they, were, they were not fans. I'll just put it to you that way. All right. So this is from Mediaite. It says, during a meeting of the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot, Representative Liz Cheney read aloud text messages from uh, Fox News hosts and Donald Trump Jr., sent to Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows as the violence unfolded. Cheney read the correspondence just before the committee voted unanimously on Monday evening to recommend that the Department of Justice charge uh, Meadows with criminal contempt of Congress for refusing to cooperate with the committee. And uh, Cheney said multiple Fox News hosts knew the president needed to act immediately. They texted Mr. Meadows, and he has turned over those texts. Laura Ingram texted, Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He's destroying his legacy. Brian Kilmeade said, please get him on TV, destroying everything you guys have accomplished. Sean Hannity texted, can he make a statement? Ask people to leave the Capitol. Trump Jr. texted, he's got to condemn this shit ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough. And so the the media is making making hay with this, of course. Um, I'm not exactly sure what they think this proves for them because what they've told us about about January 6th is that it was a conspiracy to overthrow the government and it was a conspiracy to overturn, you know, democracy and that it was uh, and that everybody was in on it and Fox was in on it and Laura Ingraham and Sean Hannity they were all in on it and this was all a plan right that's why some people were th- th- this this event was promoted ahead of time And uh, and like anybody who knew about it ahead of time, they all knew what was going to happen, and they wanted this to happen, and everything else. Well, these text messages just prove yet again that that's not the case. That nobody wanted it. Nobody on the outside wanted this. Wanted it to turn into a riot. They wanted it to stop. Uh, They saw it for what it was, which was an incredibly foolish and stupid thing to do. And utterly and totally self-destructive, obviously, and that's what they saw. So, what does that prove? Again, if, if if it proves anything, and I'm not sure, I'm not exactly sure why text messages from Fox News hosts have to be read in Congress. What they're not elected representatives. What who cares what they said. I mean, even if Laura Ingram had texted and said, "This is the greatest thing ever. I love it," which she wouldn't have done, but even if she had so, what what relevance does that have in this committee hearing? Well, it's because it's just a it's a it's a show trial, it's a witch hunt. And so um, everything that might be politically useful to the Democrats is relevant. That's the reason, and I understand that. so I'm, I'm speaking rhetorically, here, but um, but that's not what was what anybody said. So what we have here is more proof that this is not a conspiracy, not pre planned This was a a rally, a demonstration that got wildly out of hand. That's what it was. All right. Um, so next we have this. Of course we know that the uh, the attack in Waukesha. I mean you may remember that. Remember when a you know a, a BLM supporter. Brammed his car into a Christmas parade and injured dozens of people and murdered six people, including elderly people and a child. Uh, You may may remember that, but the media has, you know, within a day they'd moved on from it. But the Biden administration is, it would seem, finally sort of acknowledging, and at least on on the surface, it seems that way if you read some of the headlines. Because there are people from the White House that are going to be showing up in Waukesha on Wednesday. But then you keep reading and you discover that, well, they're only sending Jill Biden. Joe Biden, president, is not going. He he doesn't care. But his wife is going to go. And then there's more. This is from The Hill. It says, a trio of Biden administration officials will visit Wisconsin on Wednesday to promote coronavirus vaccines and meet with victims and first responders of the Waukesha Parade attack last month. First Lady Jill Biden, Second Gentleman Doug Emhoff, and Surgeon General Vivek Murthy We'll all make the trip to Milwaukee and Waukesha this week. The White House announced on Monday. I mean, think about this. This is worse than not visiting. This is a lot worse than not going at all. And saying nothing about it and pretending like it didn't happen, which is what the administration has been doing. Now you're sending the first lady and the husband of the vice president. You can't even get the vice president. You're getting her henpecked husband. And the surgeon general is go- what does a surgeon general have to do with this? Well, it's because the group will meet with victims of the tragedy at Children's Wisconsin uh, Hospital, in addition to meeting with healthcare workers and children who just received COVID-19 vaccines. Biden and Emhoff are scheduled to make brief remarks as part of the White House's effort to encourage COVID-19 vaccines in those ages five and up. So really, they, they, they feel like politically someone has to make a brief appearance in Waukesha. They have no point. So they're, they're sending in not even the JV team. I mean, they're sending in the backups of the JV. They're sending in the, the bench riders on the JV team, um, which the, the husband of the vice president, who nobody likes. They're sending uh, him and Jill Biden and the Surgeon General. And really what they're going to be talking about is getting kids vaccinated, five and up. And then they'll, they'll throw in, oh, yeah, I mean, this thing in Walker happened too, and that was bad. Like, what, what a mockery this is. A child was killed in Waukesha, and they're sending the Surgeon General to Waukesha to talk about why children should get vaccinated? It's a a joke. It's a sick joke. It's a very not funny joke that they're making of this. Uh, Once again, simply evil people. Okay, next, here's Claire McCaskill on MSNBC. Uh, fretting about the Texas abortion law, which is a vigilante law, she says. And then she, she starts talking about where she thinks this law will lead. And uh, I'm not quite sure I follow her logic, but maybe you will. Listen to this. And I think this vigilanteism is going to catch on. I'll tell you what's going to happen next, Nicole.
1: These red states are going to do vigilanteism laws on immigration, and they're going to empower citizens to go out and round up people they think look
0: like foreigners. And that's what we're coming to in this country. And it is incredibly depressing, especially um, as we're so near uh, a religious holiday that is all about loving other people and accepting the least among us uh, to be part of the larger group. Uh, Okay, a couple of things here. (laughs) There are going to be laws in red states empowering citizens to round up foreigners. Yeah, that's what. Uh, yeah, just go round them up. That's what the law is going to say. Anyone who looks like a foreigner, just just round them up, ship ship them, you know, bring them anywhere you want to bring them outside of the country. Well, that, that's a thing that will actually happen. We can all see that. Well, yeah, in in her fevered, feverish brain, uh, then yeah, there might be a connection there. Okay, but but also, can I can I just say that what she said at the end there, like this is the message of Christmas? What? It's not the. The message of Christmas is accepting people into the larger group or whatever. That's not the message of of Christmas. The message of Christmas is that Christ, the Son of God, has come to redeem mankind and save us from our sins. That's the message of Christmas. It's actually a religious holiday with a very specific meaning. Very specific religious significance. Significance to all mankind, but it is a, it's a Christian holiday. I know that, I know that they, they like to do this. You take any any uh, Christian holiday or anything from the Bible and um, anything at all from Christian tradition, and suddenly, it, really, this is all about diversity and tolerance. And, would you look at that? It's really all about uh, the things that we care about. That's all it is, of course. All right. Uh, I want to play this quickly. Elon Musk was named Time Person of the Year. So we had the Athlete of the Year, who was a someone who quit, and now we have Person of the Year. I think uh, Elon Musk can make a, a much better case for himself for being Person of the Year for his actual, because in this case he's he's being awarded the title for his actual contributions to society, uh, not for quitting. But the left was very upset. About that, and then they were even more upset because uh, he said this about vaccine mandates. Are you vaccinated? If I yes, may yeah, ask. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm very, pro-vaccination. Yeah. I believe uh, it's, the science is unequivocal. Yeah. I tweeted to that effect. Right. But by the yeah. same token, I, I am against forcing people to be vaccinated. You know, I think this is just not something we should do in America. I think we should encourage people to be vaccinated. Strongly try to convince them to be vaccinated, right. but not force them to be vaccinated or or for example force them to get vaccinated or get fired so elon musk is a is an anti-vaxxer now um he's been he's been inducted into the the club of anti-vaxxers uh along with a whole lot of other people that never knew that they were anti-vaxxers uh, that's something i've learned about myself in the last year i never knew that i was an anti-vaxxer i never was an anti-vaxxer i never tried to be an anti vaxer I, I never had a problem in principle with the concept of vaccines and you know, I, I never agree. There, there have always been there have been there's, there has been a, a certain group of people, I think a small group of people, that even before the coronavirus, you could accurately describe themselves, describe them as anti-vax. And they would probably describe themselves that way in that they're opposed to all vaccines and they're not going to give their kids any vaccines. It's a small group of people. And it's still a small group of people that that fall into that category. And that's their right. That's their own value system. I don't agree with it. But now we've expanded this. And uh, even if you are in favor of the concept of vaccines and you think it's great for people to get vaccinated if they choose to. If you simply believe that uh, there should be a choice there, if you're pro-choice when it comes to vaccines. And you think we shouldn't destroy someone's livelihood and take away their ability to feed their kids. Because they don't get vaccinated, that makes you anti-vax. So welcome, Elon Musk, to the anti-vax crowd. All right, next, uh, there's a a Sex and the City sequel series called And Just Like That. And of course, the show is absurdly over-the-top woke, which is to be expected. I I never watched the original Sex and the City, but I I imagine that the original, for its time, was also pretty woke. So there should be no surprise here. But there's one scene in particular that's made its rounds online. And uh, it's, it's. If you didn't know any better and you didn't know anything about Sex in the City or anything else and you saw this, you would think that it was, you would almost think it was a parody. You would almost think it was like a Babylon Bee skit making fun of wokeness, but it's not, I assure you. So let's watch this.
1: Uh, sorry, he just told me. Someone's quick with the pronouns. Uh, it's fine. I am the professor. W- y- you're the professor? Yeah. You're Nia Wallace? <laughs> yes. Why do you seem
0: so surprised? Well, your braids. A law professor can't have hair like mine? Why is that? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't mean because of the braids. I was, I was, I was just thrown because the braids are, are so different than the hair in your photo on the Columbia website. My comment had nothing whatsoever to do with it being a black hairstyle. I, I knew that you were black when I signed up for this class. I, that was important to me. You sign up for this class because I'm black? Well, not just because you're black. I picked this class because you're such a force in academia, on top of everything you do as a community activist. God, I sound like such a brown nose.
1: I mean, um, please just forget that I ever said anything about your hair. Hair has Nothing whatsoever to do with
0: uh, appropriateness or intelligence or gravitas, obviously. I mean, do I look like someone who attaches any significance to hair? I, I let mine go gray, and I don't care if it makes me look old. Not that I'm ageist. Do I sound ageist? You really want me to answer that question? Uh, again, as far as I can tell, again, I, never, I haven't seen the show. I, you know, I, I would rather shoot myself than watch this. But as far as I can tell, this is, this is not supposed to be a satire or a parody we're making fun of wokeness. So That's what you get there. This is really this is like one of those race hoaxes. It's like the one we talked about yesterday of the of the doctor who claimed that someone stopped a black doctor in a suit and tie, full suit and tie, at a hospital with a name tag that says doctor on it, claiming that someone stopped him in the hallway and said, "Excuse me, uh, I assume that you're a member of the custodial staff. Please go go clean my toilets at once." That's what he claimed. And um, I'll be clear, very clearly a race hoax from Dr. Smollett. This is one of those race hoaxes acted out. This is, because this is the kind of conversation, the kind of interaction that especially elitists on the left, um, they think that these sorts of things happen out in the world. And that's why they're, they're incapable of coming up with a race hoax that's believable. Jesse Smollett, a Hollywood guy, is very privileged, very you know wealthy somehow has managed to be... Wealthy and, uh, and famous as an actor. doesn't spend a lot of time around normal people. Now, Jesse Smollett, from his prison cell, if he's watching that, he's probably thinking to himself, well, yeah, this, has, this happens all the time. That a white person would say to a black person, well, I assume that you're not a professor because of your hair. What, because I've, I've never seen a professor with braids? What? So this is a uh, this the, you know the people that that write this they all exist in that that same bubble. And that's what makes it so unintentionally hilarious, because this would, this just, this is not life. This is not what happens. But for anyone who was disappointed or upset, as some people on social media appear to be, that the new Sex in the City is woke, I've seen a lot of complaints from people say, oh, this new Sex in the City sequel's terrible. Oh, this is a dis- this is a d- disappointment there. They are ruining the legacy of sex in the city. What did you think was gonna happen? Just know this now. Okay? This is every franchise, every TV series, every film. It's it's all of this now. If there's any if there's any franchise or series or movie. That came out prior to you know seven or eight years ago, that you liked, you should not want there to be any kind of sequel or remake or anything. I saw on Twitter someone someone put out a kind of a, a question for everybody, and the question was something like, um, you know, which, which which series have been the most ruined um, by by going woke? And the answer, of course, is all of them. This is what they all are. Hollywood is not capable of producing anything but this now. And so you have to understand, it's it's also, now that's a TV series, so not eligible for an Academy Award. But the Academy has made this a rule now. It's basically required now if you're making a film and you want to have a chance at winning an Academy Award. Which I'm not even sure why you'd care about that anymore because the, 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 the movie going public doesn't care about it. That used to be one of the great one of the values of, of winning an Academy Award is that is that the public cares about it. And so if you can say that I'm an Academy Award-winning actor, more, more people are likely to go watch your next movie. That's not the case anymore, nobody cares. But the Academy has put rules down saying you have to have X number of trans people and X number of this and that. So this is every single series, every movie, it will all be this. Amazon has that new uh, Lord of the Rings prequel trilogy come out. They spent like a billion dollars on it. A lot of people, including many of conservatives I follow on social media, very excited about it because they're big Lord of the Rings fans. Well, th- don't you un- this is Amazon. Okay. What do you think they're going to do to it? And then you're going to sit down you're going to watch it and be disappointed because there's a, there's a trans non-binary disabled hobbit or something. Of course That's all of them. If it's coming from Hollywood, it is all this. They cannot do anything but this. All right, finally, this is from MSN. At a junior hockey game in Sioux Falls, South Dakota on Saturday night, $5,000 in $1 bills was dumped onto a carpet in the middle of the ice as 10 local teachers readied themselves to shovel up as much of it as they could. Here's some of the footage here. We could play it for you. And this was also making the rounds on social media. People were very upset about this. there we go. We see them. Look at that. Crawling around on the ground, scooping up $1 bills. In front of the crowd. And the crowd isn't even cheering. I think the crowd is confused and embarrassed by the whole spectacle. You know, like Maybe you could justify this if they were $100 bills. Somebody puts a bunch of $1 bills on the carpet and says, do you want to go, s- s- go, go join that dog pile and try to grab some, I would say, well, no, sir, I have dignity. Then if I look over and it's $100 bills, well, okay, I'll think about it. Um, Anyway, back uh, to MSN, it says, when the competition began, the teachers, all wearing hockey helmets, crawled into the pile of cash, frantically stuffing the bills into their shirts as an arena of spectators hollered and cheered. I didn't hear the cheering until every dollar was snatched up. A clip of the event went viral over the weekend and had amassed more than 7.7, on tw- 7.7 million views on Twitter as of early Monday. Critics said the image of teachers on their hands and knees scrambling for low-denomination bills was dehumanizing and even dystopian, especially as teachers are paid relatively small salaries in South Dakota and nationwide. Um, and people were very upset. And, uh, and the, one, the reason I'm bringing this up is that the one theme that we, we've, we've seen from the people responding to this spectacle is that education is underfunded. This is supposedly an example of uh, of how education is underfunded, and we need more funding for education. I mean, obviously it's underfunded. If these teachers are forced to crawl around on the ground or an ice hockey rink for $1 bills, it must mean there's not enough funding of education. Well, I'm here to tell you that is not the case at all. Between state and local sources, we put between those two, We are funding education to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars across the, the country, federal and state. Cumulative, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars that go into education. I mean, anything that's getting hundreds of billions of dollars, it's hard to argue that it's underfunded. But this is the government we're talking about. So just because there's all this funding of education... Does that mean that every individual class is appropriately funded or that teachers all have the supplies that they need? No, it doesn't. So when I say that we are that we are funding education quite enough, in fact, we're funding it too much, much, there's far too much funding going to education. Um, am I denying that there are teachers who don't have enough supplies in their classroom? They have to maybe go out of pocket sometimes or reduce themselves to this to get funding? No, I'm not denying that. Because the issue is the allocation of those resources. That's the problem. You're not going to solve that problem by throwing more money at it. There's enough money to go around. It's just that it's misallocated. And that is, that's almost always the problem where the government is concerned. If there's any worthy program or cause or anything that you consider to be worthy, and it doesn't seem to be getting enough funding. I can guarantee you the money is there. It's just not, it's not getting where it needs to go. It's getting dispersed somewhere else along the line, because this is what bureaucracy does. And education is, this is why the Department of Education shouldn't exist, because it's one big, giant bureaucracy. And bureaucracies exist for this person' purpose, really, to misallocate funds, to waste money, to waste time. Bureaucracies exist for their own sake. So but all the bureaucrats in the Department of Education, they're all—they're not there for education or for your kid who's in public school or to make sure that a teacher has enough supplies in the classroom. They're there for their own sake, to justify their own jobs, to get paid themselves. So they're there for That's why teachers' unions exist as well. So it's not underfunding. It's misallocation. Big difference there. You probably feel like you're just burning through money these days with uh, how expensive everything is, whether you're going grocery shopping or or you're at the gas pump or anywhere else. Um, And that's why you should look for any opportunity to save money monthly. And here's one thing that can do it uh, through refinancing your mortgage. If you own a home and haven't refinanced, what are you waiting for? Mortgage rates are at historic lows once again, which means you can easily drop your rate and your monthly payment. All you've got to do is call American Financing America's Home for Home Loans. Take advantage of a free mortgage review It's absolutely free, that means there's no pressure, there's no obligation, there's no upfront fees, just a simple conversation with a salary-based mortgage consultant. Somebody's gonna listen to and guide you so you're getting a custom loan that achieves your goals. From lower rates to shorter terms, even the ability to access cash from your equity, they're, um, they're ready to find you the best deal possible. You could save up to $1,000 a month, you may even skip two mortgage payments, creating greater upfront savings. And you can pre-qualify for free by calling 866-569-4711. That's 866-569-4711 or visit AmericanFinancing.net. Let's get now to the comment section.
1: Do you know their name? They're the sweet baby game.
0: Matt Hayden says, my family is from Mayfield and my wife and kids were down visiting for a family wedding while I stayed in the Cincinnati area to prep for law school finals. Helpless is the only word that describes how I felt watching the weather reports while trying to stay connected via phone. They were 200 yards away from the candle factory that collapsed. Thank God the storm missed them. No legislation could have prevented this. Nature does not respond to our petty legislative goals. Uh, That sounds horrifying. Glad that your family is safe. I mean, I can't imagine that at all. Um, and that is, like I said yesterday, that that's the, the feeling of helplessness that you get. And what we experienced here in Nashville is like nothing compared to, to that because, you know, we were spared, thankfully. But um, when, the, when the warning comes in, you go to a safe place, you huddle down. And, uh, you know, you could follow all the recommendations they give you for how to respond to a tornado warning. And you should follow those recommendations. But... If you survive, there's going to be an element of luck here that the tornado didn't happen to fall right on top of you. Because if it goes right over where you happen to be, um, you're probably doomed. Can we prevent that? Can we stop that through legislation? I agree with you, Matt. I don't think so. Uh, Johnny says, Matt, I just realized how perfect children's books are for you as a writer. You're lazy and writing more than 30 pages is not possible. Plus, the text is really big and bubbly. So it's more like writing two pages. Keep it up, man. You may be angling to get banned from the show, but I'm not going to disagree with your characterization there. It is a lot more fun writing children's books, I have to tell you. A lot more fun. It's not that I... No, I can write real books. I've written two of them so far. It just takes me a long time. Now, Ben Shapiro can write a real book that's like 70,000 words, and he can write it in two and a half weeks. It takes me more like two and a half years to, to, to do that. So I will not disagree with your characterization. You are correct, but I guess I'm going to ban you from the show anyway. Todd says, hey, Matt, I'm pretty sure West Side Story is woke, mostly because the Academy is forcing productions to fill diversity checkboxes or else they can't win best picture. Uh, yeah, that's what I mentioned before. That's, that's part of it. That's part of it. Although, even though we have to keep in mind that the rules from the Academy are ridiculous. Um, but they're also it's also empty virtue signaling, as always. So they, they've been written in such a way that they can be easily circumvented. That's how they're written. So there's no, still no excuse for all this woke stuff, even if you are a filmmaker desperate to win an Academy Award. Anna says, so my thoughts on the cancellation today. Um, why would you be offended somebody thought you were a janitor? It's a good job, honest pay. Aren't your assumptions about this interaction offensive to janitors? Why do you assume the person is being racist instead of just not particularly observant? Yeah, that's a good point. I thought about that afterwards. I, th- I wish I would mentioned it, but there's also an elitism here. There's this basic assumption, putting everything else aside about how the story is almost certainly fabricated. But the underlying assumption is that it's insulting to be considered a janitor because janitors are inferior to doctors. So while trying to prove the racism of this fictional person, he's only proving that he is, you know, an elitist himself. John says 100 kids die in bicycle accidents in a year. Well, I haven't checked the statistics myself, but um, if that's true, that's interesting because that's about the number that was cited by Tony Fauci yesterday for the number of kids, I think between five and 11, who've died from coronavirus in in about two years. And yet, and I'm sure this is why you brought this up, 100 kids die in bicycle accidents. It's a terrible tragedy. Um, But yet parents will still let their children ride bikes. You know, I, I know that I will. I love my kids. Of course, you make sure they're wearing a helmet, but you still let them ride the bike. Even though there's a chance with the, with the helmet, still, there's a chance of some horrific injury. But you let them do that. Even, even for, the, for the sake of, of riding a bike. I mean, you could take bikes. You could take bicycles away from kids. And it'd be a shame to do that, but they could still otherwise live a mostly normal life. You're not interfering with your child's life in any serious way by taking the bicycle away. Yet simply for the sake of being able to ride a bike and have a fun time riding a bike, you're willing to take that risk. Yet at the same time, when there's an even lower risk of your kid contracting COVID and dying from it while walking around outside or walking through a supermarket, you're still going to force them to wear a mask which is a much greater imposition on him than taking a bike away. Um, Greg says, hey, Matt, we just got Johnny the Walrus yesterday, and it's now my son's favorite book to read at night. That would be more significant if I hadn't taken away all other books, as they are all worthless in comparison. Well, thank you, Greg. Finally, someone is responding the right way to my book, Johnny the Walrus, which, by the way, is on sale right now at johnnythewalrus.com. Um and Cassandra says, do you wear makeup and use product in your hair while on the road? Cassandra, I've told you, I don't have time As I've told you, we don't talk about this. It's not a subject we talk about. We're not going to talk about it. I don't talk about the fact that when I'm on the road, my producer, Sean, who's very much a man, has to be the one applying the makeup. I'm also not going to talk about the fact that just a few minutes ago when we were doing that and the makeup was being applied um, and I had this clip from Sex and the City. And so we were talking about Sex and the City while the makeup was being applied in this hotel room. We're not going to discuss that topic. So you're banned from the show. The Daily Wire is leading the charge against the Biden administration's tyrannical vaccine mandates. Not only were we the first in the nation to sue the Biden administration for their unconstitutional mandate, but we're getting closer to a million signatures on our do not comply petition every single day. Why? Because people are realizing that if we don't actively fight for our freedom, the government will take it. Uh, We have a goal of reaching one million signatures, which would provide a major boost to our legal challenge. And uh, we're, you know, almost there. We have over 850,000 signatures so far, but we need your help to cross the finish line. So please, if you have not done it yet, sign the petition at dailywire.com do not comply, and then share our petition with all of your friends and family. Let's send the message so loud that the Biden administration will be forced to hear it. And also, for all of you sweet babies out there who have dreamed of joining the Daily Wire team, now's your chance. We currently have several open positions that we are actively working to fill, the details of which can be found at dailywire.com careers. This week, we're highlighting the platform manager opening with our marketing department. There is a mid-level marketing manager role that calls for someone who is highly detail-oriented, extremely analytical, numbers-oriented, and constantly looking for ways to optimize. Let's get a sweet baby in management. That should be our goal. The, um, this is kind of an infiltration of the sweet baby gang. A, a, a takeover, an insurrection, if you want to call it that, of the Daily Wire itself from the inside. The platform manager will be responsible for creating leading strategies to grow the Daily Wire and our talent's brand awareness, as well as maintaining all operations for the platform. This is an in-office position in Nashville, Tennessee. If you or someone you know could be the perfect fit for this opportunity or any of our open positions, we're accepting applications through our career pages at dailywire.com careers. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today we're canceling everybody who has anything to do with this story out of Newburgh United Methodist Church in Indiana. Um, Religionnews.com reports, when Pastor Craig Duke appeared in drag on the HBO reality show We're Here, he knew that some members of his United Methodist congregation would appreciate the episode and that others wouldn't even watch it. He also knew some members of his congregation support the full inclusion of LGBTQ Christians in the church and others don't, and that would make his performance on the show a challenging experience but he didn't think it would cost him his job. Now, before we go on, reflect on the fact that a pastor appeared in drag on a drag reality show, and based on his many years of experience in the church, had assumed that it wouldn't cost him his job. So before we analyze Pastor Craig's decision-making, what does that say about the church that he felt comfortable doing this and thought it would be okay? What does it say about the state of Christianity in the West? Well, we'll continue. It says, the emails from congregants began not long after Duke's episode of We're Here aired on November 8th. Uh, The pastor said the show follows renowned drag artists Eureka O'Hara, Shangela, and Bob the Drag Queen as they travel to small cities and towns across the United States, transforming locals into drag queens. Duke accepted an invitation to appear in an episode filmed in the Evansville area because he said he wanted to better empathize with LGBTQ people in his community and to express support for his daughter who recently came out as pansexual. Another quick pause here. Um, The way to support your pansexual daughter is to tell her that pansexual isn't a thing. Okay, it's made up. You might as well say that your daughter came out as a centaur or as a tooth fairy. Because pansexual means someone who is, uh, quote, gender blind. That's how they would describe themselves. Gender blind in their sexual attraction. Meaning that a person's sex does not factor into whether the pansexual finds them sexually attractive or not. But you see the problem here. You can't have sexual attraction apart from sex. That makes no sense. There are people who experience sexual attraction to both sexes. Those are called bisexuals, which is why we don't need this other term, uh, pansexual. Except the pansexual claims to be attracted to no sex, claiming that sex is irrelevant. But again, that can't be true. It's like saying that you're hungry and you want pancakes, but you don't desire the pancakes because they're food. You're food blind. It just makes no sense. Okay, anyway, continuing. It says, some of the messages the pastor received were positive. Enough were so negative that at the assistance of Newburgh's Staff Parish Relations Committee, Duke said, he requested a new assignment from Bishop Julius C. Trimble of the Indiana Conference of United Methodist Church. It's not unusual for United Methodist bishops to reassign pastors regularly to different churches or to other leadership positions. Those appointments generally uh, take effect in July. In the meantime, Duke planned to lead a six-week Bible study about sexuality at the church, something he hoped would create dialogue within the congregation. But another negative bullying attacking email from a church person arrived November 14th that flipped the tide for the pastor. He said, it just got to the point where the conflict, the anger grew too much. And so for my mental health, for my mental health, I started to back away and I told my district superintendent the conflict was so much, it was at such a level from some that I was unable to be an effective leader. Okay, so in the end, the, uh, the drag queen pastor wasn't even fired. He chose to leave for his own sake, for his own mental health is why he left. And I, I don't doubt that he's mentally unhealthy. I don't doubt that. But that was the case long before this, clearly. By the way, if you're wondering um, if we're going to play a clip of, of, the, uh, of the drag queen store with the drag pastor,
1: well, you're in luck because here it is. Reverend Craig Duke the only reverend that I would ever want to preach at me at a church. I think we need to find a way to support, equip, and empower. We do that not with our condemnation, but with our love. So we ended up doing this thing with the performances with Craig, where he started in this fabulous choir robe, preacher look, where he was preaching to his congregation about love, and then it tore away into Kesha's We Are Who We Are. It was so good. We fully had to do a lift with Craig and he was so paranoid that we weren't gonna be able to lift him up. But mama, we picked her up like the only Dainty Flower. Also, Craig knew every single word to his song because he's dope and super fire and he hangs Jesus on his necklace. us, us, us. You know, I think that there was such a campy element that Craig thought he had to bring to it. And what I did is I pushed Craig to realize that drag's not a joke. You know, gender expression, fluidity, and art, it's never a joke for people that need it. So Reverend Duke really wanted to do this drag number to show the world, like, I'm willing to walk in the shoes of the queer people that I love, that I enjoy, and mama. He opened up, he performed, and sass and fresh. He was a hard-working little diva. Okay.
0: Drag is not a joke, he says. So, let, let sure, let, let's go back and look at this screenshot. Um, just a quick look at this ch- quick uh, freeze frame? He says that this is not a joke. There we go. Yeah, not a joke, he says. You've got a, a pastor dressed like Dolly Parton's meth-addicted cousin dancing next to Ursula from The Little Mermaid. But this is not a joke. And he's right. You know, it's it's not a comedy, really. it's a, It's a horror show. It's a joke in the same way that the end of the movie Psycho is a joke. But remember, remember something else that the drag queen said. He said that, uh, that, that Pastor Duke is the only pastor he'd want preaching to him, or at him, as he put it, if he ever went to church, which, of course, he doesn't. But he's the only one. You know, he, that's, that's the kind of pastor I would want. Now, that's not a good thing, okay? If you're a pastor, that's not the kind of thing you want to hear about yourself. If somebody who hates your faith and hates Christian values... And opposes everything that you're supposed to stand for. Says that you're the only pastor he'd want preaching to him. That means you're not doing your job. It means that you're tickling ears, right? You're you're whispering sweet nothings. You're telling the sinner what he wants to hear, or at least you're not telling him what he doesn't want to hear. You're making him um, comfortable in his sin, in his pride. And that's really what what all that is about. I mean what you saw there the drag show it's really a, it's a celebration of vanity and pride and, and other things as well but mostly vanity and pride. What, what you're not doing and what you should be doing as a pastor is spurring him to confront and go to war against precisely those parts of himself that he wants you to affirm. That's that's not what pastoring is supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about affirming people in their sin or making them feel comfortable in their lifestyle choices. You're supposed to be be encouraging, causing, um, propelling people to confront those parts of their life, especially those parts of their life that are keeping them away from, from virtue and holiness. Now, I mean, obviously, if a pastor is performing in drag on HBO, he's gone astray. So maybe, maybe it's, there's no point in, in pointing this out. It's rather obvious, but it is instructive and revealing that the head drag honcho said what he said. This is the kind of pastor I want. This is the pastor I like. Because you often hear certain so-called religious leaders praised by people who hate the religion that he's supposed to be leading. And this is why. This is where it goes. And that's why Pastor Craig Duke is canceled. And his church is canceled. And obviously, that drag queen is also canceled. They're all canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens, production manager, Pavel Vodovsky. The show is edited by Allie Hinkle. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart, And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The CDC releases Omicron case numbers. Joe Biden continues to tumble in polls. And the PC police add another couple letters to the diversity, inclusion, and equity initialism. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.